what's crazy about about this <laughs> this podcast is every time how long you've known me probably as long as your brother um was that over 10 years yeah 15 years um first thing i gotta ask every time i, I we have a, a guest when you saw otis walk in what was your first impression thought you had a horse in your house <laughs> <laughs> Yes, sir. What's up, everybody? This is Big Pep, and welcome to another episode of Pep Talk. Um, today, you got just myself as the host. Uh, Mr. Juan Ramirez decided to take a, uh, I believe, a Caribbean cruise. So he'll be here on the next episode. Um, a lot of things have been happening. First off, sorry for the uh, sorry for the wait, but life happens. We've been traveling, doing our thing. I just got back from uh, from South America, and I'm home for 10 days, and I'm able to get a really great guest. Today, um, we have a gentleman who I've known for, man, over 10-plus years. Like you guys heard, heard it earlier. Um, his story is, you know, one that needs to be told from, man— from growing up, from from rags to riches, from I don't even, I'm not, I don't want to tell the story. Um, he is the owner of one of the best known barbershops here in Ventura County, the Reup. He is also um, the owner and ambassador of what would you call your uh, like your sneaker con? Um, the 805 Sneaker Expo. 805 Sneaker Expo, which we'll talk about later on in the podcast, which it was the first year and it, it blew up, yeah. and. Like I said, man, this story is going to be amazing. Ladies and gentlemen, Brandon Harris. Yes, sir. What's up, bud? What's going on with you? How's everything? Life's good. Life is good? <laughs> um, I just got a cleanup last week from you, and we got to talking, and I don't know why, but after all these years, I was like, man, like, your story... I've only heard it from your brother, Jordan, Jordan Harris, for those who live under rock. He's one of my best friends and this is his older brother, better looking older brother and bigger <laughs> and bigger. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. Um, let's get right into it, man. Uh, give us a little bit about born and raised, where upbringing, let, let us hear a little bit of your childhood. Um, of course, my name is Brandon Harris. I grew up in the South uh, south part of Oxnard. Um, went to high school here, um, junior high. You know, we, I moved out for like a year in Raleigh, North Carolina, for a little bit. Came back here, and uh, you know, been here all my life, and just homegrown. Yeah. Um, growing up here in Oxnard, was it um, a safe environment? Was how how, how was that, like your atmosphere? How was your friends growing up? Um. I wouldn't say safe environment. I mean, we, I, I grew up in a, you know, uh, a decent household, but, you know, we were kind of in the in the hood. Yeah. So we were in the south, south part of town. Um, you know, there was a lot going on. Um, I, I played sports until kind of got bored with the sports, and I just wasn't growing. I didn't grow like my brother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I got into skateboarding, and skateboarding is kind of like what, what kind of like, you know, I guess – paved the way for you know what I do now and in and in, in, in life basically. So I let I met a lot of my uh friends and uh 
colleagues and stuff like that. And I, I believe skateboarding is where it all started. And it just ventured out to doing other stuff. And I got into like graffiti and hip hop and I was break dancing. I was, I was all over the place. Like, um, during that time, I would say from junior high to like high school area. So what years were that? So I say about 2000, um, I like probably like 99 to 2000 I was like heavily deep in skateboarding and then I kind of like was going back and forth and I started trying to like break dance a little bit and then um after um during skateboarding I kind of got into music so I started DJing um what was your what was the DJ name I don't even remember if I had a DJ name because I was like I I never really DJed parties I would go assist with other people so I was DJing at the house and I was always helping because my boy DJ um valid um I used to go with him all the house parties because he was about two years um, older than me. So I was in, I believe I was in junior high. So I was going to high school parties in junior high. Yeah. So I would just help him carry the crates and, and be there. And sometimes when he'll go take a piss, I'll take over for him. Nice. So it wasn't really like um, me, me like uh, having my own set and DJing. I probably DJ like one or two parties, like for my um, junior high friends, you know, and I didn't have a lot of records and stuff like that. So, it, it, you know, uh, that's why I didn't really feel comfortable DJing, but I knew what to do and, and how to mix and, you know, um, but I just didn't have the records cause I couldn't afford them. Like I, I, I probably had a crate or two of records, but it wasn't enough to like host a whole party. Yeah. You know? So what about the, uh, the graffiti, the graffiti life? Cause I feel like, especially here in Ventura County, there's a, a big, like, or even back then too, there was always like graffiti was such a big, like a uh, community. Yeah, it was. How did you get into that? Skateboarding, I was skateboarding, and then skateboarding kind of all ties into, like, hip-hop. When you see, like, videos of old skateboard videos that have hip-hop and graffiti and, you know, the backpacks, and you're skateboarding, you have a backpack, you're going far, you're going to, you're going to like, underground places or places that are really, like, um, I wouldn't say underground, but places that are not seen, like, from regular streets. So you're trying to go to, like, hidden spots. And when you find hidden spots, sometimes you're looking at graffiti. Yeah. So it goes kind of hand-to-hand. Sometimes you're bored, you start doing stuff. So a lot of my friends are doing it, and then I got into it, and then I started, like, watching skate videos, and a lot of that stuff tied in together. Um, so I started doing graffiti, and at first it all started, like, we all started for the art, and, you know, you started going and going, then it got competitive, and then people started, you know, dissing you and then it got you know started turning almost into it started turning to like gangbanging yeah so you know when it reached that it reached that height it was kind of like it wasn't even really graffiti anymore it was just like like bang your set bang your set so it turned that that, that's basically kind of like how it it turned out and um yeah eventually i kind of got out of it but it that's it it evolved into that and that's when it started getting bad really damn were you did did it did was there like a, a certain point when you were just like, all right, this is this isn't what the skating videos and whatever used to be. Now it's just like it it can be dangerous. Was there is there a particular like moment or time that you can remember? Yeah, I'm, um, I remember one one day I was about to go to school and uh, I get a knock at the door. My dad already had went to work and stuff like that. I get a knock at the door and um, uh, it's the police. So I'm like, what the hell? So I get out there and I I look outside. There's like ten cops outside. They serve me with injunction papers. <laughs> For the people who don't understand what injunction means, what is that? Injunction. So, like, they basically ca- classify you over your gang or your, um, you know, graffiti or whatever, you, whoever you hang out with, and basically says you can't hang out with these certain people or you can't be seen with these certain people. And it's like a, um, 
you, you just have to stay away from those people. And if you do get caught with those people, or you get caught doing graffiti or those things. It's it's like an enhancement when you go in trouble or, or get in trouble and go to jail. Damn. So it's kind of like you know when when you're already you're already you're already classified. So if they pull you over or something, it shows up as this person has a gang member. Or this person does, does graffiti type of thing. What did um because you were living with your dad at the time? What 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 was his first impression when he heard about that? Um, I don't think he really knew about that because they they came and was, he wasn't there. So I just oh, so he like they like served you. They served me basically, yeah. served me. And um, but but a lot of the people like I'm not gonna say the names, but yeah. a lot of other the people they they uh, a lot of the other guys I knew they they um raided the houses. So it was in the newspaper and all kinds of different. Stuff. Oh shit! Yeah, so they raided a bunch of they, so they 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 had a list of all these people you know who were active or doing yeah. something, and um certain ones like the high level ones they were you know. Raiding the houses, taking you know guns and cans and you know baseball bats, any type of thing in there, what it, and confiscating it. And if you get caught with it, they were taking you to jail. The other ones that that were associated with, we just got served with the papers and kind of like a little slap on the wrist. Hey, if you're with these guys or you know we see you, you know we already know we already know. But it's basically they they're just kind of like we're we're watching, like you, we're man. waiting for you to get you're caught waiting, up. Yeah, you're waiting for you. We don't have anything on you. We don't have enough on you right now, like the other guys. But you know you could be next type of thing. That's wild. Um, when that happened, did you decide to like turn a new leaf? Did you put the the, the graffiti cans down, or what, what was the what was the next move? Um, or did you just keep on kind of like so from from that part? Um, I mean, I was still kind of doing a little graffiti, but I was kind of like step stepping back. But then I started kind of rapping. Oh, okay, so I started rapping, and then that kind of kept me busy. So I wasn't like really going out at night and are saying hanging with the same people i'll still hang with them but not as much i started like i started recording and, and doing other stuff so i started hanging out with more people who were doing music so um that kind of transitioned me from that you know and, and to get away from that and um i started like doing you know small music career so i mean i think i had like five cds i started doing shows and stuff like that and i started beginning to take it serious because i started getting some momentum and um during that time what year was that 2003 actually okay that's 2003 that's when i i started i think it was about my senior year is when i started like i put out like my first song and um that's back in the myspace days yeah yeah <laughs> I put out my first song and then um i don't I'll, i put out my first song i just gave it to, to a couple of people and people were like oh you know i like it and then it was kind of it kind of got me not away from graffiti but like it it got me to do something else to keep me busy. And yeah. I, I was like, oh, man, I, um, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll be good at this. So I started focusing more on that. And then it just started going. And then I joined a, a rap group with, with some other guys. And mind you, like, I was always, every every time I was in, like, a crew or some type of thing, I was always the youngest. Like, so I was, I, I joined a rap group with, with some other guys. And I was, they were, like, three or four years older than me. So I was barely graduating high school. And, you know, they're, like, 21, 22. Damn. Yeah, and they already have been in it, in it, so I was always like the young guy having to prove myself. So um, I started doing that, and the start of that also, my my boy was starting his clothing line called Dope Style. So um, he was starting to do like shoe events and stuff like that, but not not sell. He would sell shoes, but on the side, he was like, "Hey, I got a clothing line. Here's my clothing line," and started selling stuff. So he gained a little bit of momentum and steam locally, and then I kind of became the brand brand ambassador for that. And then after the being the brand ambassador, I kind of like joined him as you know business partners and you know as a partner and helping him um, with with getting it. So um, I started doing the clothing and then the wrapping during that period to transition from graffiti. And was 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 uh doing the clothing line like your main form of uh like 
income? No, it was just side income. I wasn't making a lot of money from that because I was uh, um, the, the way it kind of worked was, you know, I was I was in there and like if I wanted to make some shirts or there's a run, I'll put my own money in there at cost and then I'll sell it and do it myself. It wasn't like a collective thing where, you know, I got part of all sales and stuff like that. So it, it was more of like I, I put it, I invested my own money and if there was a design I like, I was like, hey, I want to do this color, yeah. this color and I'll sell it myself at my shows or I came out with my own signature shirt sometimes and then we did, did a couple um designs or had some ideas so it was kind of like you know um he did some of his stuff and if i liked it i'll join in i did some of my stuff he liked it invested in it too um but it wasn't my form form of income i was uh i always had part-time jobs or full-time jobs on the side you know to to uh funnel whatever i was doing so during that time right you're you're you're, you're pursuing your hip-hop career you have a little you're doing a clothing line um when did you decide to when did everything take a turn um uh, when i went to jail okay because i was because i was i was because i my question was was you know you have the the hip-hop career be doing the closing thing and then it feels like you know momentum 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 right um how did how did jail come about and how old were you? I believe I was 19 or 20. Um, that kind of came about was um, I was doing the music and the clothing thing, and I was like, I was ascending. Yeah. Um, I was, I, I had lost my job, and um, I kind of started getting comfortable after I lost my job because I was doing shows and stuff, so I'll do like a show a week or I'll sell CDs or shirts, and then I started kind of like, I could, um, I thought I could survive off of it. So then that happened and I was going out like every weekend all the time, every weekend. How old were you? 19? Uh, yeah, I was under, I, was, I wasn't, I wasn't 21 yet. Oh, but wow. The, but the, th- so the thing was, uh, <laughs> I'm going out every weekend, but this goes to me having older friends. I had a friend that looked like me, so I used his ID. Nice. So I'm, eight, <laughs> so I'm 18 going to all the clubs, like doing what everybody else was doing, but I'm 18. Everyone thought I was older, but yeah. I was just using his ID. It worked. He just, he let me use his ID. Um, he got a duplicate ID, so he was able to do his. Hell yeah. Um, I used his ID, so I was going out and um, with, you know, going out and stuff like that started, you know, people were partying all the time and this kind of transitions to like the tagging thing. Like a lot of people who were tagging and, you know, kind of doing the gangbang thing, like that became, that, that also led to drugs also too. So I always knew like, during that time I was, I was always kind of like a hustler. So I was during that time. Also, I was, I was, I was selling and dealing drugs and, and, and doing that plus doing the music thing. So, um, when I lost my job, I kind of just went full time in all three. Yeah. And survival mode, survival mode. And, and then one day I, um, after a show, I just got sloppy one day and I got pulled over and yeah, ended up going to jail for about a year. Um, I guess the most generic question is what'd you learn while you were in there? Um, I mean, in there, in there it was just, it was crazy. Like dealing with the outside world, like, um, you know, you had, you had a lot of time to think and, and reflect. And, and, um, I just learned I had to move different, you know, than I was before. I was just kind of like, you get, you get so caught up at, at being at a peak and you don't realize like how it all can just be like taken away from you, you know? And then, you know, you're hearing about the outside world and people, what people are doing, and then you're in there and you feel like life stops. 
like life stopped for me. Like, you know, it, it, some to some people it's like, oh, you know, you only did a year, but like it, being in there, it felt long because when I did get out, like things did change. You know, like I, I felt like I didn't have momentum in my rap career. I didn't like the Kobe line stuff. Kind of like went down. It was just like it was hard. So like when I was in there, I kind of was just trying to stay positive and um. You know, I was obviously writing raps and doing stuff, but I felt like I didn't have no motivation in there about writing raps. Like, what was what, what was I gonna write about? You know, mm-hmm. um, a lot of my inspiration came from the in- outside. You know, doing stuff and you know, seeing stuff. So I kind of didn't want to like rap about being in jail and, and stuff like that. So it was hard to find motivation. Like when you're doing the same thing every day, and I didn't want to have come out and do cliche, you know, jail raps and yeah. stuff like that. So, um. Uh, you know, I got bored and started, you know, reading and doing other stuff. And then, um, you know, we were like on lockdown a lot of the time. So we couldn't, you know, go when we we're going to court, we could have looked good or anything. So um, my 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 bunkie, my cellmate, he, uh, you know, he's been to prison a couple of times. So he kind of showed me how to, um, you know, we started practicing on each other. He already knew kind of how to cut, but we cut with um, used to get a well a welfare razor. We would break the razor from the welfare razor and put it um, the single razor in a comb. And we'll put the comb in between the teeth, wet your hair with raw water, and then we'll cut each other's hair with the comb. I mean, it's not like a clipper, but, you know, instead of you doing a clipper cut in 30 minutes, you know, you're t- it's taking you hours to do a haircut because it's just a single blade, you know. Keeps you busy. Kept, kept me busy. So I started doing that with him, and I, and I was like, man, maybe I could, you know, use clippers. And then one, one day um, we went to, um, they call it the rec room, like every, you know, three or four months maybe you're, you're able to go out there and do something. They had a well, like the – the clippers in there. So I cut his hair with clippers. I'm like, this is easier than doing it with the comb and stuff like that. So, um, um, you know, after I got sentenced and I got like my, um, I got my, um, my conviction and stuff like that. Um, all my charges, I started realizing that I'm not going to be able to get the the same jobs I was going to get before I was able to go. Cause now you have, now you have something on your, on your record. Yeah. And that was always like, I always, uh, if I got fired from it, I mean, I always, I would always switch jobs. I would stay at different jobs, but I always would switch jobs, a higher paying job, you know, trying to do something because I always knew that I can, you know, I had experience in assembly and doing other things. I always knew I can get it. But when I got, when I, when I was thinking about when I get out of jails, I'm not going to have that freedom anymore. I'm not going <laughs> to, what am I going to do now? Yeah. So I was like, maybe when I, I, I always used to get haircuts and I knew a lot of barbers, um, I always hang out at barbershops just, you know, from being around. And um, one, of, one of the guys that I was cool with that rapped and stuff, he was a barber. Um, and I and I would go to sometimes different barbers. I have friends that are barbers. So um, when I was in jail, one of my friends, he was in he was in jail with me, and he was a barber. So um, the thing with him, he was a barber, but he was always in and out of jail, but he never had a license. Mm. So um, I was like, hey, maybe, you know, we should go to school. And he was like, it was a couple guys we were talking to in there. We're like, "Hey, we should go to barber school or whatever." You know, you don't you don't need a you don't, you don't need a background check to go to school. You don't need a when, when you get a license. You don't they don't do a background check. So I get out. Um, I don't know, it's like August or something in the summer. I start looking into it. Um, uh, I start going out and stuff, doing stuff, and um, end up meeting my wife, and I, t- um, you know, my wife. I ended up meeting my, well, she wasn't my wife then, but you know what I mean. Yeah, so yeah. I ended up meeting her. We started hanging out and stuff like that. And um, I kind of started seeing myself hanging out with, like, with 
you know, the, some some of the same people that I was before, or maybe even worse because I was in jail and I. Oh, uh, okay. So you got friends. out and you kind of fell into the same like like network of friends. Yeah, but you, you met your wife, your your future wife during that time. During that time, okay. so I kind of like you know, I started spending more time with her, and I told her basically like, hey, I want to go to barber school, you know, this and that. Yeah. She was like, um, oh yeah, you should do it. So I I, I went to barber school and it um. And I didn't know how to cut hair. I was used to cutting hair with the razor in jail and stuff like that. And in there, you know, you're kind of intimidated. Like, you know, some of the guys, a lot of guys, like I would say 30 to 40% of the guys already knew how to cut before they go to barber school. They just, just, they just need the paper. They just need the paper. So I'm starting from scratch. So, and, and the thing was like there, when, when I, when I went to barber school, this is 13 years ago, um, 2000, 2009, 2010, um, I went to barber school. There was no barber schools around here. Not Lou Ross or dang. Nowadays, here in Ventura County, it's like every block. Every block. So it was a lot harder. So basically, I'm fresh out of jail. Um, didn't really have a lot of money. Um, the only thing that helped me is I filed unemployment from when um, I when I was working. It kicked in. So I got a little bit of money there. And there was just enough gas money for me to drive, which was Valley Area, L.A. That's a close to school. No way. So I did that f- for a whole year, uh, about five days a week, sometimes six. Yeah, five days a week for a whole year going to barber school. Sometimes we would carpool because there were there was a lot of guys out out here from going out there because it was close to school. Yeah. So um, I didn't know anything. I started you know going and and um, I started picking up on stuff here and there. And then you know I thought it was like you know too cool to cut at school, so I wouldn't. Which I, I you know that was one of the things I regret later on because I should have got all my practice in. Um, but you know, it was competitive because like all the guys are, some guys would come from Lancaster, um, Compton because there wasn't that many schools out there. So, you know, you're in the Valley in LA and everyone's kind of, I wouldn't say like gang mentality, but there's some gang members there sure. and they have that same mentality. So they're kind of like, Oh, you guys are from Oxnard. We're from the Valley. We're better than you. So it was kind of like a, a competition thing with those guys. So, you know, some of the Oxnard people kicked it together and you know the Valley guys and the LA guys would hang out or the Pasadena guys would hang out. So it was, it was a little bit divided, and, you know, there was fights at school sometimes. I mean, some one time a guy brought a gun to school, you know, sometimes we'll go fight in the back. So Damn. it was crazy. So it was, it was crazy mentality, like, because you get people of all all um, walks of life in there, you know? Um, you know, like, in, in, in when, when you're locked up, it's like you got to, like, like, you know, if you're down, you know, you got to show, you got to show you're down. With, 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 with the barbershop, or not the barbershop, but the school, it was it kind of like, like all right, like almost like like let's do a let's do a competition. Like oh, you think you're a, you're a better haircut? Like you're a better barber than me? Like like run it up? Like would you guys do that? It was kind of like that, but there were sometimes so, sometimes like the, the the guys that were better they didn't they didn't cut at school. They're like I don't, I'm not cutting at school. I'm not gonna cut this free haircut. I can go get cut. You know twenty dollars. Oh, get paid. Like, yeah, yeah. Get paid because at the school you don't get paid. It's like if the guy if you get do a haircut sometimes the guy the um the guy that walks in to the school that they'll they'll tip you back then. The haircuts were five dollars. Yep. Um, going going to the school, so you know you'll be lucky if you. You, know, you got to think about it. the mentality of a guy getting a, a haircut for five dollars. I wouldn't. I I don't want to badmouth it, but they're cheap. Sure. So after the five dollars, you're 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 looking not to get a tip. You know, um, they're not gonna <laughs> they're not gonna want to tip you. So a lot of the guys who cut good, they didn't want to cut school haircuts. They'll cut like other guys that the other barbers around there because they'll be like, oh, you know, I respect your craft, so I'll pay you a regular yeah. price for the haircut. But they didn't want to cut any of the walking guys, so there was competition. But the good guys didn't want to cut. It was just kind of like showing. It was guys that were just going in there, like 
know, their first two or three months, and then they they're just going in there fucking up haircuts. Like yeah. they were the ones getting it in, but the guys who were who were um good, they were only cutting other students because they were going to pay more. Um, and they they're just there for the hours. They would even sometimes they wouldn't even bring their kit. They won't be in their clippers or anything. They'll just there sit there do their their work and then just hang around the school and shoot the shit until you know I'm just here for my hours. Yeah. Um, you said it earlier, but advice for you know a a person who's pursuing barber school would you would you say cut as much as you can at the school get all your fuck ups all your mess ups all in at school because once you get in the shop it's a different story you know you can't you can't you can't do that yeah you know it's it's i mean you can here and there you might get away with it like you know but you know these people are paying money for your haircut now. So you need, so when you're in school, you need to get, learn as much as you can mess up as much because in school, it, you, if someone messes up the haircut, you, they, the, the customer has to understand I'm learning. Yeah. But when you're in the shop, you're not learning. Yeah. You're a professional, you know? So it's, it's a big difference. So it's, it's good to, that's the one mistake I didn't do. I didn't get enough haircuts in, um, when I was in school. Um, and I went to the shop and I, and I, and I jumped the gun with going to the shop. I, 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 I started going. I started working in the shop four months in the barber school. Did you fuck up really bad, really fast? Yeah, it wasn't. I I I messed up a lot of haircuts, and it wasn't even that me messing them up. It was my confidence was shot. Oh uh, yeah, of course. You know, you go in there and and you know, oh this person, you know, I messed up a haircut, and you know this person, oh you messed me up, and this and that. Like confidence is a lot too, and you know everything you do, and especially in barbering, like you start messing up people, like. You start cutting up different, like you know, you're feel, you're afraid to go take a walk in, and a haircut comes in. You're like picking and choosing which ones you can't do. So I had to take take a step back, um, and, and go and, and just focus on school until I felt comfortable again to go back into the shop. And um, I mean that helped me out because um, I w- I jumped a gun and went in there and I thought I knew everything and you got you got humbled. I got humbled real quick. Um, moving moving forward now to to the reup. Uh, which is your barbershop. Um, since I've known you through your brother, it's always been like, you've always been, I feel like a couple years ahead of the game, especially here in Ventura County, Ventura County um, is slowly making, you know, uh, jumps into like, like the, the new age. Mm-hmm. But like when you were doing music and hip hop here, you were, I feel like you and your crew was like a, an anomaly, you know, yeah. cause nowadays, you know, every kid now, not every kid, but a lot of kids are pursuing, Hip hop, you know, singing. Obviously, now you know, like the the super duper Kyle came out of here, Anderson Pack came out of here, but you yeah. were before that. And then, even when you got into like the the clothing stuff, you know, now it's like, you know, a lot of people have clothing brands. Um, when you came, when you opened up the reup, I feel like the way that you opened it up to me was like, that's an LA vibe. You know, it was very uh lack of a better word, it was a culture shock here for Ventura County. Cause here it's like, you got super cuts. Yeah. And then you got like, um, you got, what was it like the cats who like, you know, wear their hair slicked back and fucking the mustaches. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know what you call that type of barbershop. And then you, you bring, you open up this spot, you know, right off of vineyard. Um, and it's, you walk in and you feel the vibe, you feel the, the shit talking, the, the sports talk, the basketball talk, you know, the gossip, the drama, but it's, it's like all, it's a vibe. What, what made you one open the barbershop at such a young age? And then two, what was your like motive or like how you were going to bring the culture 
that is the re up here. Um, I worked at other shops, and then um, you, you, I think you can understand from being, you know, having your own stuff and having your own type of business. Like, yeah. I, I had a different background from everybody else who were owners. So when when I started working for other people, um, I just knew that I could do it better. Like, I knew I could do something different, and everyone had the same formula. Like, everyone's doing it the same. So I, I was going. Uh, you know, either the, the, you're saying like the clothing line and the wrapping. I was doing a lot of stuff early. Mm-hmm. So and w- with wrapping and the clothing line, it's marketing and promoting yourself and being different. So I knew like if I opened up a barbershop, I didn't want to be like the other guys that, that, that were the same. So I wanted to bring more of an urban feel. I was I didn't want to like be like the next guy shop. I didn't want to. Everybody's shop was Juan's barbershop or, or, or Calvin or, or Dave's yeah, yeah. barbershop. And that that's cool. Like that's you know, it, it's okay. But it's generic. It's generic. And then, and then I was like, man, you need to have a, a I read a book. Um, I read a book called contagious and, and that shows about marketing and names and stuff like that. So like it, it's all psychology. So everyone's like, why'd you name it the re up? I'm like, exactly why you're asking me this question. You're talking about it. Yeah. You're asking me a question. No one asks anybody why you name it. Mario's barbershop is, is self-explanatory. If I have to explain to you, that starts a conversation all the time and it's catchy because people are like why you don't why'd you name it three up right you're talking about it my job is my my job here is done yeah you know you you may think it's a crazy name or something but that's what you have to do to to market yourself you have to get people to talk about the same thing with the barbershop everyone had the same colors i was like no i'm gonna paint my shit blue i'm gonna have you know crazy pictures and stuff in there i'm gonna have graffiti in there um granted i wasn't the first person to have a a wall of graffiti in the shop smooth um barbershop shout out to smooth he he was the first one. It's not like I, I um I um invented it. Invented yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, I think. Yeah. No, I just I, I liked it and put my own flair on it and I and I did that and uh, you know, um I just try to I just try to bring that LA vibe or urban vibe, you know, something new to Oxnard because Oxnard is, is behind on a lot of trends and stuff like that. We're behind two two years. So But there's so much potential out here. That's what's crazy about it. There is, but there is everyone's 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 scared. Everyone's so used to being comfortable. Mm-hmm. 100%. You, know, you go to L.A., you, you you look at somebody, and they're like, oh, yeah, it makes you uncomfortable. But then two years later, that same guy dressed in L.A. is, is that's how they're dressing in Oxnard yep. because you catch on to the trend late. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I think it's very like, um, you know, I always have these, like, and I'm sure Jordan has told you before too, but, like, we always have these, like, con- conversations, like, like the hustlers and, like, the hustlers mentality. Like, when you're in, like, New York, Go, 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 go. Like, if you're not going, going, like, the fuck are you doing, right? Mm-hmm. L.A., it's like, go, 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 go. A little sore. Here, it's like, go take your time. Go take your time. And then when somebody like yourself opens up a re-up, then it's like, how did he do it? Yeah. How did he do it? Oh, and then they're going to hate. Then they're going to start asking questions. And then they're like, hey, show me the blueprint. Yeah, it's the same as you. You probably you were like probably one of the first people, you know, not not saying you're the first person to have a podcast, but you were one of the first person to start getting some um, momentum on yeah. a podcast. And then I, I I bet there's like oh people looking at oh Pep you know why does he have a podcast that's yeah, yeah. so stupid like people thought it was stupid and then all of a sudden those same people are like well I'm gonna do a podcast now I'm gonna do it in my garage and you know they're doing stuff and talking about topics but because when you started it was so so fresh to them that it wasn't cool but now yeah. that like they see other people doing it they want to follow the trend you know or now they're asking to be guests on the pod yeah, yeah. And, and that's the thing like and and everything you do you always want to be one of the first you don't want to catch on and you always you want to be the wave you don't want to ride the wave 100% you know? 
and 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 once you start riding the wave, you're not going to get anywhere. You have to you have to be the wave, and then you could take it to a certain height, or, or and then you just go off and do your own thing, and then everyone's going to follow. But w- when they start following, you're venturing off to something else. Yeah, and that's why I felt like I started doing with the barber battles, and I started doing with, with um you know the, the barber shop. I I felt like I was one of the first people to 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 make make the wave and, and I didn't necessarily create it. I just add some tweaks and I, and I felt like I created the formula that now people are using. So bring like you, I knew you mentioned the barber battle, but bring something else that the re that the reup has done that I guess, uh, separates you from everybody else. Social media, social media. I feel like I, we were, you know, the first, one of the first in, in you know, the, in the County to really like start, you know, doing like little videos or, or, or start posting a lot more haircuts on social media. Cause yeah, there were barbers, but there wasn't like an owner with the shop actually posting everybody's haircuts and doing like, they'll, they'll have an Instagram page, but they weren't dedicated to like showing everybody's work or like promoting or making flyers and stuff like that. A lot of the people were just like the, who opened barbershops, they just opened barbershops. People will come, I'll make a little flyer, but they didn't, they were older and didn't have a, a social media presence, but me having the background from clothing and, and rapping and stuff like that, I understand I needed to cater to like, you know, people that were there my age or, or, or younger and, you know, social media was just starting. So I was started, um, I started Instagram cause I was like, um, everyone was using MySpace and Facebook. And when I first started, there weren't really any barbers on MySpace. There was only a couple, but there were celebrity barbers. So MySpace died out. The people were on Facebook, Instagram popped up, I believe 2000, 12 maybe okay yeah, yeah 2012 and there was a couple barbers on there but you got to think people were using camera phones 2012 camera phones blurry yeah so blurry and and, and blurry and and pictures for haircuts is not really good for marketing so i started kind of getting you know i had a, i had a digital camera so i would use a little digital camera and start taking true start taking better pictures on there so it started working and um, Instagram started catching on and, and doing stuff and I started getting on there. And, um, once I got my shop, I, 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 you know, I opened up the Instagram, started following a bunch of people and I started doing more engagements on Instagram with, and I started doing, um, you know, promotions and different stuff like that. And, um, it started working. Um, and you know, now, now it's common. Everybody, it's, you have to have Instagram. Yeah, of course. You have to have, you know, certain things. But before, you didn't have to have those things. And, and I was like, I felt like I was pioneering that, um, the movement of, of that out here, not not necessarily all over the place because, you know, everything I did is not like, uh, I'm a genius and I did it before. No, I think I was just one of the first, you know, to start doing it over here. And, and, and it's not just me. I just felt like I, I gained a lot of momentum doing those things. And um, I started making a lot of things popular out here for, for, um, the barber scene. No, a hundred percent. And I, I, I agree with that as well, because, you know, the, the past 10 years, you know, it's, you, you were the innovator, right? But, and people have, I mean, there are, there's a lot of barbershops now that are doing their thing, but for, but you know, but everyone's still, you're still relevant. Your barbershop's still relevant. It's still popping. People still go in there. I go in there sometimes just to, I go in there, get a haircut and it's like, people are in there just kicking it. Yeah. You know? And it's just like, that's that's the thing that people don't understand. They just want to open up a barbershop, and it's all boring. You have to create an environment. Like when you go on, you when you go on, and no matter what barbers are in there, like 
there's a there's a there's an environment that you create where you feel at home you know yeah. people are talking shit like you know you know making fun of each other or you're talking about sports like people don't always just want to come and get a haircut because there's 20 different shops in in oxnard well what separates you it's like you know everyone coming in there feeling like yeah you know their names like you're laughing telling jokes like people like the environments that, that that's what that's what people don't understand but a lot of a lot of the young kids now they just think about it. everything has to be like I gotta give a dope haircut for this guy to come back. So no, it's not about that. It's about you remembering that guy's name when he comes back. The conversation you remember the the wife and kids, yeah. What he, what the all the all the problems he was going through last week, and you remembering that. That's what makes a person coming back, like conversations and and feeling at home. Like it's not about the haircuts. And, and when I first started, I used to think about that too. And then I started realizing, like, I, I could tell you, like. 100% like I'm not the best barber in Oxnard and I don't care to be the best barber in Oxnard. I just care about, you know, you know, getting the money, getting, get, getting my clients and having, you know, client retention. That's important. Like everyone's still so focused on being the best. You don't have to be the best to, to, to um, get clients. Like you just have to build relationships, build relationships. It's all about relationships in any type of business that you do relationships. Like everyone just thinks that they want to, I, I, I'm going to get good at this skill, but what's the skill if you don't have client retention? Like you can cut this whole time, and you'll cut somebody's hair the whole time. Don't have it, say anything. Yeah, they'll be like, oh, that guy gave me a good cut, but he'll still go to the other guy who gave him a better conversation because it's like it's not about that. You can go to get good haircuts everywhere. So like, there's a lot of guys that like I try to teach the younger guys that are you know in the shop like, and I tell them yes, you gotta give you gotta get to a point where you're you're good at haircutting like, but you don't have to be the best. Once you become good, then you start focusing on client retention. Yeah. So like. Don't like once you become good and you're like, I can give a, I can give a, a like I tell them it's a rating system. I can give a hair. I could do eights, eights, seven and eights all the time. Right. Once you get good at becoming doing seven and eights, don't always shoot for the 10. Do the seven and eights, because every time you give that 100 percent haircut to a guy, and you spend 100 and, uh, like a, a hour and 30 minutes on the haircut. He's going to give you the same amount of money that you would if you did it in 30 minutes and it was an eight. They're not going to notice the difference from that haircut, but you just wasted your time trying to perfect this this haircut and that guy's going to still give you the same price so if he gives you 40 dollars for an hour and 30 minutes but you could do it in 30 minutes and give him an 80 percent haircut you're stupid yeah and it's plus stupid and, and time is money i tell him be mcdonald's don't be a, a sit-down restaurant the, 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 how much the, five guys is a better burger right and they charge more and they take longer right but who makes more money mcdonald's yeah Exactly. Yeah. And McDonald's, it's all about service. They give you that. It may, it's not the best burger, but you're going to get it on time. You're going to, you're, you're, you're not going to be hungry and people are just going to go. It's still a burger at the end of the day. So be McDonald's. Don't be five guys or whatever, because you have to respect yourself as a business. You know, oh. what's, you know, what's funny is, 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 as you were bringing this up, I, I started thinking about like when, uh, when my wife and I'm sure your wife's the same, when they go to like to get their, their nails done and it's like, it's like, you know, whoever's doing their nails, like, yeah, my nails came out good, but you would you wouldn't believe the gossip or you wouldn't believe, you know, so and so was talking to and it's like, all right, so your nails came out cool, but you're more excited about the conversation that you had because it's 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 you know, you're able to almost like that hour, hour and a half of whether it's getting a haircut or getting your nails done, it's therapy, it's girls' time, it's guys' time, it's sports time, it's fucking, you know, uh being able to vent. It, it is and 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 it uh, and also from a barber you're like a, you have to understand you're like a therapist you're like someone to talk to and you have to look at it from the other um, point of view it, it becomes emotionally draining because you have to hear everybody's shit every time too and you have to like trying to give them advice or be the be professional or 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 put up with certain things and 
it, when you get home, sometimes you're emotionally drained because like you don't have time to give to your kids or your wife because yeah. you have you you're having other conversations conversations and you're not really having conversations of your own, you know, like and and men, and like for your mental health, it, it it's hard, you know, like I I know from your career, you you know, um, you working with people and you know you say oh I'm a bodyguard, but it's like more than being like that because you have to deal with a lot of bullshit, yeah, and, and people don't see the 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 ins and outs of it because of the, of the stuff they just see the glamour like pep i see him touring or peps with this person he's so lucky but like you can't really talk about what how, how the mental toll that person puts on you exactly no you're 100 and that's and that and it's not just the person as well but it's also like you know it's also like uh traveling so much and being away from your loved ones being away from your wife i just first time i saw my wife in in, in 31 days that's our last week for two days you know and it's, i'm sure you're it's the same with you where it's like you have your eight to 12 to 14 hours and you got to come home, hopefully eat some dinner, maybe have a little bit of conversation, do it again. And it's like, yeah. that shit takes a mental toll. And that, and, and it's, yeah, you're an owner of a pop and barbershop and it sounds cool, but bro, there's a lot that goes into it, you know? Exactly. Because like you go in there and you're happy and you're, you know, you're working and you're doing this and you know, at the end of the day you make some money and stuff like that. But like you, you just had a con like, you know, busy day. I could do like maybe, you know, 15 to 20 people on a busy day after that, you have to think about that's 15 to 20 conversations I had. So it's a lot of energy that drains you. And then yeah. you come home and it's hard to give, you know, to everybody else. And then, you know, you know, it, it affects your personal life too. So it's, it's hard to get a balance and, and, and get a, and, and get in the groove and, and have a nice balance between both. But it's something you have to work on. Like, what, what's it, what's, what's, what's the piece of advice that you would give to somebody um, in your shoes? Um, or just a barber in general on how to balance life outside life and career. Um, so I would say once you start getting busy, um, respect yourself. Um, and, and that meaning like, I don't, I don't want to say names, but I know there's, there's some barbers that I'm available 24 seven for sure. And, to you, you're thinking like, oh, my God, I'm going to, you know, this guy's 24-7 or whatever. But, like, being available sometimes 24-7 and you have, you know, your own personal life, that's like you're, you're, you're not respecting yourself, you know. Yeah, it's a curse. It's a curse because now now people are going to start taking advantage of you and then they're calling. Like, I, comp I, I feel like basically like we're, you know, like people started, you know, selling drugs, right? The good, the good, the, the good drug dealers are available 24-7, right? But they had no life. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. it's like you're really good at this and you're selling this, but like I'm on, you say you're on a date with a girl and you, it's nighttime and it's Saturday. Saturdays are your busiest days at night. So a guy's calling you to, hey, can you drop this off? You, you know, that's going to mess up a relationship. So it's the same thing you imply. Like you have to kind of have some respect for yourself with, with, with cutting hair and you can't always let the clients like take advantage and, and walk all over you um, just for the money because, you know, the money's going to come there, but like, you don't want to be a slave to the money. And, and, and I, and that was a lot of the uh, uh, problems and stuff I had to work through with my career. And, you know, I still work with that. Um, cause I got so used to working like so, so much and, and now to a point where I'm, you know, up here, you don't want to go down, exactly. but you know, on the way there, I feel like you need to be, um, build, um, better habits and, and build some structure for yourself. But I think that's, that, that, that's a, that's a good advice for anybody that is damn near their own, their own their own boss you know yeah oh. the same with you you know you have your clients and at the same point you have to have a boundary and yeah stuff because you know you and that's a key word man boundaries that's yeah. a real one um let's talk about um 
throughout these years, you've had clients that are pretty well known. I mean, um, NFL Hall of Famers, you have rappers. Um, how how how's that been like kind of like, you know, without name dropping or name dropping, whatever. But like, how's it been to now have like those type of uh, clients that are like you can go do house calls, you can go travel, you know, stuff like that. Um, it's it's kind of like when you first start off, you want all those clients and you do that. And then once you get it and, and um, you finally you kind of realize like they're just regular people. Yeah. So it's it's kind of hard because, you know, you like you want that and, you know, it's all cool. Like I want to put this on Instagram. And then once you get used to it or you start having these clients, it's regular people and you have to deal with them that way. Like I've had, you know, a lot of, you know, I had some good I had some good um moments cutting celebrities and I had some bad moments cutting celebrities and I had some learning experiences and um, I had some friendships and I had some stuff where there's some celebrities I'll never talk to again because of the way they treated me. So um, it, it comes to respect and then um, for advice for other people, respect and then um, know your worth and, and then um, treat them like regular people too. Um, you know, you, you have to watch like what you do, like, you don't want to overcharge somebody because you feel like they make more money than you, but you also want them to respect your time and that you have to have a balance of that, you know? So I've cut different people. Um, um, who I cut people who are overly like, I'm going to tip you a lot of money. And I cut celebrities that are just, I'm about my money and I'm going to give you, this is what I'm going to give you. It's going to be a little bit over what they're they're You know, a regular client's going to give you. I'll give you this every week, but you know, you're not, you're not, you're not upcharging me. Yeah, yeah. Of you know course. what I'm saying? I'm I'm gonna come here and you're you're gonna do this, you know. So um I, I I've I've had it's a learning experience for all clients, you know. Like I, I, I when I used to cut Marcus Allen, there were certain things that I had to learn that I I couldn't couldn't do, you know. Um I started learning that I had to cut them a little bit more privately in, in the shop. Um I had kinda had to like maybe not talk about sports as much or because he's, you know, he did sports all his life. That's not what he wants to talk about. Sure. Sometimes he'll come and talk to me all day. Um, when I'm cutting his hair, sometimes he won't say a word, but me, I, I had to like let go of my ego and be like, you know, it's no, no hard feelings. Like this is just the way he is, you know? Yeah. Um, second time I, I, I cut him, I had a, a, a football <laughs> and, um, I was like, Hey, you know, don't, don't even pay me for this haircut. Can you just let me, I'm a Raider fan. Can you just sign this? He looked at me and told me, I'm not signing this shit. This is not an official NFL ball. And Dang. I, and I just looked at him like, and this is, this is the barbershop was packed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I'm I'm like, dang, like, I don't know what to say. And, you know, he paid you for the haircut. And then um, he walks out and says, I'll get you something one day. So I end up cutting him for his Dr. Pepper commercials. Like, when he's going on ESPN, I cut him up probably like once, one, probably like three to four times a month for a whole year. And, and that remember that I, I'm telling you that time he said, I'll get you something one day. So I cut him up or whatever. Um, I'm just like, all right, whatever. So I start cutting him up. And then one day, um, it was during the, when, remember when OJ's documentary was, yeah, coming? yeah, yeah. So with the uh, Cuba Gooding Jr. Yeah, I think so. It was, yeah. it was a documentary on A&E about OJ or whatever. Oh um, yeah. I'm cut. I, I, I have an appointment with him, you know, I'm, you know, it's on all week. I'm just leaving it. Now. I'm not even thinking. Cause sometimes I'm in the shop. I, I'm like, there's music playing, there's sports playing. I'm not even I'm not even paying attention. I'm just kind of cutting and doing my own thing. He walks in and he looks up at the TV and he's like, "You watching this shit?" And I'm like, "What are you talking about?" Like looking up and I'm like, I didn't even put two and two together that 
you know, the rumor was OJ beat uh, him and OJ got a fight at yeah. the jail, and he's you know was you know sleeping with you know yeah. OJ's wife, and there was a whole beef on there. So he want he's like turn this shit off. So I turned the shit off, and I was like, oh man, I'm never. He's not gonna come back again. You know, here I messed up again, and then um, next haircut he came back again. <laughs> so you know that's why I was saying they're not learn you know to get hard feelings of certain people. But I kept cutting him up. Another you know here comes another six months. One day he calls me. He's like, can you get me? I think it was like a set, a Sunday, early Sunday. So I come early Sunday. I'm like, all right, you know, he, pay, he pays me decent. I'll come early on a Sunday, 8 o'clock. Yeah. No one's at the shop. Par- this The whole parking lot is, is, is empty. So um, he parks. he's parking in front of my shop with his Range Rover, and he's, he's outside. I look at him. He's out there practicing his golf swing. So I'm like, whatever, maybe he's going to go play golf or whatever. So I open up the shop, take out the benches, do do my normal thing or whatever. So I'm going there and um I set up and I see him with the big old trash bag and I'm like, oh maybe he's gonna want me throw his trash away. Yeah. So I'm kind of reaching out like, oh you want me to throw it away? And he's like, hey, and he's like, no, today's my last day here in Oxnard, um in this area. I'm moving to Virginia Beach. Here you go. I open the trash uh, the trash bag up. It's a giant um it's an NFL helmet, a Hall of Fame helmet with like 30 signatures on there. No way. <laughs> no way. That's dope. Yeah, so I looked it up, like, um, had his signature. It was like a golf, like a golf tournament or whatever they yeah. did. And so it was like Warren Sapp, like a bunch of people who, who signed the helmet and um, had a certificate and then had a letter saying. Um, oh, authenticity? Mm-hmm. Damn. Yeah, it's a White Hall of Fame. So I looked it up, a similar one's probably like worth like 3500 maybe. So that's something that's just you can tell your kids about, man. That and that's bro, that story right there is well, worth way more than anything else. That's not even the end of the story. So, <laughs> so whatever he, he's leaving, right? Yeah. Um, he's leaving, and um, I don't know if you were working, but um, he's leaving on his fight to go to Virginia or whatever. He ends up being on the same plane as Jordan. No way. And Bob. <laughs> I think I was. No, I think I was. Yeah, so yeah, that yeah. That was yeah. the day he left. Yeah. Oh shit, that is funny. And, wow, what is Jordan ends up meeting him and talking to him, and he's all, oh, you know, small world, you know. You're yeah, because then because I think didn't he he didn't he introduce him to to Bob? Probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's wild. Um, let's talk about um, let's talk about what you did last year, which was your your sneaker con, your your local one in Ventura County. What what, what did you call it again? Uh, eight oh five um, sneaker expo. Okay, so. Uh, for the people who are listening and watching, explain what it was, and you know, obviously, what 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 are you hoping to get out of it for the next few for the next time? Um, so when I opened up the barber shop, um, like my first my first year, I did um, it was like a LA thing, like or I wouldn't say LA thing, but like a bigger city thing where um, they did barber battles. So yeah. I was the first one to bring one to Ventura County, and I did three. So after I did the three, um, you know, a couple other shops started doing theirs and, you know, it got to me, it got oversaturated, but it was dope because it, you know, it started a culture. So, yeah. um, people were like, Oh, when are you going to do the next one? So, you know, I've always been to clothing and sneakers and same thing. I, 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 I thought I was like, man, there's never really been something in the 805 Oxnard, you know, Ventura County area. Um, let me, um, you know, look at the logistics and try to throw one. So, I was nervous on throwing one because, you know, it's hard doing stuff in your city and stuff like that. If you're worried that some people are going to you know, support it's something new. And like I said, Oxnard is like two years behind on bigger cities. They don't catch on to certain things. So I noticed there are there was there was like a. Um, not a crowd, but. Um, how would you say that? Like. A, 
there's there was a like a small sneaker community sure. people in there, but you know they were going to L.A. and going to other places to buy sneakers. You know, of course, there's a local store, you know, open now and stuff like that. But um, I was like, man, we how about we you know, throw our own event? So um, I threw my own event. Um, you know, I got with like some of the guys from the radio station and got on the radio station and promoted it. And um, um, I think we did over five hundred people. Um, which was good. Everyone sold. Um, and you guys did it at the, which hotel was it? Uh, the Marriott. The Marriott Hotel. Uh, got the ballroom in the Marriott. Um, and um, I, I was kind of, I was kind of nervous about it because it was my first time doing that. I was doing barber battles before, so it was it was new to me. So I, I kind of incorporated both. I didn't do a barber battle. I just did a showcase. So I just had barbers just cut and do their thing, but not with the competition thing. Because um, I got kind of tired of the competing thing and, a lot of politics and stuff and drama with that so um i just incorporated both and it went good about i had i had like a, i think over i had about 40 vendors people who had you know tables and stuff like that and they sold you know shirts hats whatever um a lot of people made some um decent money and um the only problem was i need to get a bigger venue now so um that's a good problem it's a good problem to have oh yeah are you are you planning on uh on making or trying to make it like an annual thing uh, i'm thinking about it so in, I, I just have to look, you know, I have to check the numbers and, and see if the time is right and get the right people. So and hope it, it doesn't get saturated. Yeah. And the other thing is it, it was it's it's emotionally draining. So I got to mentally prepare myself and I have like a lot of other things going on. So um, um, I want to do one this year. It's just at the, the stars have to line. Yeah. Um, before we wrap up, man, we got to talk Barber Talk, which is um. NBA playoffs just started. Um, who are you rocking with? I'm a Laker fan, so I'm going with the Lakers. That's what I'm saying. Hey, I think if they if they if they make it out the first round, we're gonna win it all. So I'm going with Lakers. <laughs> all right. Also, too, um, I know you're a big UFC guy. You're a big fan of boxing. Um, UFC's not not too exciting this weekend because all eyes are on the Javante Tank Ryan Garcia fight excited for that one um who you got um <laughs> i got tank okay i got tank i think tank's gonna win by by um i think tank's gonna get him out of there but if it goes a decision ryan might win on points but i got tank i think tank has the edge just because physically ryan has an edge because he's taller longer but i feel like he doesn't use none of that stuff when he fights you know he just kind of goes with his quickness and his his left hook and his his, his check hook which he uses and he uses those things because I, I feel like athletically Ryan is a more like exciting guy and flashy guy so you think that he's better but I feel like Tank Tank's been in deeper waters to, um and and uh, I feel Ryan has when he fought um Campbell he got knocked down yeah Campbell's not a, a, a known for his power Tank is known for his power so I feel like if Tank gets that one gets that one shot I feel like Ryan's not gonna get up. And Tank's a killer, so I think if he drags him in deep water, I don't know if Ron, how Ryan's going to react. He got up last time and, and, and beat Luke Campbell, but Luke Campbell is, is a C-class fighter. Tank is, is basically an A fighter. So we'll see. I think it's going to be a good fight. Um, it's hard to say with boxing because of politics yeah. and judges and stuff like that. So I, I believe if it does go to a decision, it's going to be a draw, and Ryan's going to win just for Vegas and stuff like that. Bro, the, you, you sound like an ESPN analyst. That was perfect, man. Uh, I'm rocking with Ryan. Um, I've been a fan of Ryan and he's a, he's a good friend of mine. So he, I think he'll win. I think he'll win, um, convincingly. I think he'll win seventh round. I think he's going to knock him out with the left hook. I, I mean, see, right. Ryan, Ryan sh to me on paper, not paper, but like physically you look at Ryan, he should win. 
but it's just no, nah, not really. I mean, technically, I mean, Tank has has like you said in deeper waters. Plus, also too, we can talk about the the um, the weight, the whole re- the rehydration clause. Like he can't gain no more than ten pounds. So, I mean, technically, I wouldn't be surprised if I haven't I haven't seen the the. Uh, I haven't seen like like the betting yet on Vegas, but I'm sure they have Gervonta up by a lot. But I'm saying, bro, everything Ryan's backs against the wall. I'm saying Ryan comes out on top. We'll see because he did struggle with anxiety. Anxiety is real. So, is, so so he he came back and did and did it. But this is a this is the other thing that you you're not putting into account is like. He struggled with anxiety, which we all have anxiety, and like I had mm-hmm. bad anxiety, and that shit is real. He's never been at a, at a fight with this magnitude. You're right, and and, 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 Tank, and he's never really had a pay per view. Tank has been in pay per view. This is I'm not saying this is a walk in the park, but like it's different when you have all these big fights and, and, and bright lights. So, you know, we don't know how he 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 will react. And physically, yes, Ryan is taller. He has a reach, so he should win. It's just like. I see when he fights, sometimes he doesn't use all those things. Like, the last couple of fights, you know, he's looked okay and he looks good. Like, he's supposed to. But, like, he he's a lot bigger than a lot of guys, and he doesn't fight like he's a yeah. lot bigger than you guys. He fights like a little guy, and then he'll he hit the he, – it's, like, really – it's a real it's real flashy. So, like, you look at Ryan when he punches and does something, it looks so, like, clean and perfect and stuff like that. And I feel like he, he – it, it, it might get him in trouble fighting like that. You know, he's going to have to have that killer instinct. I mean, he, he showed it with the Luke Campbell fight. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm saying, but tank is a different beast. Like w- when you see tank hit people, they're not getting up like that. You know, people are like, I can't see, or they're knocked out cold. So, I mean, that, that's my only thing. And, and Ryan, I feel like Ryan has power, but he's not a knockout artist. Like, like tank is like, he's hitting you with a bunch of clean punches and getting you out there where tank is just that one hit. And he's really patient. I compare Tank more to Canelo because he'll let you win all these, the the, ra- the first other the first couple rounds first, go slow and then both, and then next thing you know ninth or tenth round he gets he sees that opening and and, and puts you away. But I th- but that's that's why I think Ryan will beat him because Tank likes to start off slow and then obviously break him down. Ryan, he likes to start off fast and well that's why I said I said if it goes to the cards Ryan's winning yeah. because Tank he he starts too slow so the only way Tank is gonna win to me is he has to, he has to put Ryan out. Or, or do a couple knockdowns and then, you know, let it go. But uh, if it goes a decision and no one's knocking each other down, Ryan's, Ryan's should win off of points. Ryan should use his jab, keep Tank at bay, and, and, and don't. Because that's what a lot of fighters were doing, and Tank starts off slow. But if he, do, if he lets Tank get in the inside and get, get that uppercut, it's over, you know. So yeah, and Tank fun. is usually the smaller guy fighting. He's fought a couple guys that were smaller than him, but he fought, you know, Rollies and, and um, Barrios, who were – Barrios is, pot, is the same size as Ryan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were, both, they were both like, what, like 5'11 or something like that? Yeah. Yeah. And Tank's a little guy, so. Yeah. Um, before we end the podcast, I always end with these uh, couple questions. First one is – oh, it's a good one. Um, if you can try to go back and think about, you know, that year that you were locked up, what one piece of advice would you tell um, your younger self at that particular time? Like that you could tell him right now. Um, I would say stay focused, um, go harder, um, be more disciplined. Um, I think a lot of my flaws and everything is discipline. I lack discipline. So if I could tell my younger self to be, to be more disciplined, I feel like I would have been a lot more ahead of the game than than I was. You know, like yeah, I get you know my respect and my props and for for 
for for doing certain things, but I feel like if I had better discipline, I would have been a lot more ahead, you know, in in life. And um, it's a learning lesson too. So for sure. you know, now I day trade and do that stuff on the side, and that's like, you know, what I need the most is discipline. You know? Yeah. Um, what pieces of what piece of advice would you give a up and coming um barber owner? Try start small and then build your build yourself up. I see a lot of people just going big and just like oh, and they have these big things. But I feel like you have to crawl before you walk in, in a barbershop. And people just want to put all this money and have this nice barbershop and do all these crazy things. And it's like they don't go to the basics. So you know, start small, go to the basics, and just start building from there. And once you start building, like you know, you can can expand because I start when I first started off. I started off with eight chairs, and now I have thirteen chairs. Hell yeah! So um. You don't want to bite off more than you can chew, and 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 it's it's money isn't always guaranteed. So just because you open up a shop, you know, doesn't mean people are just yeah. gonna automatically just oh, there's a new shop, I'm gonna come in here. You have to build and build trust and and create momentum. And then my final is a two part question. Um, let's just say a hundred years from now, you know, you have your tombstone, and it says um, Brandon, the barber. The owner of the re-up was blank, blank, blank type of person. I don't even want to say barber or owner of the re-up because I don't even want to know. I don't even want people to know me as, as as just a barber because I feel like a barber is just a chapter in my life. Bet. Just like you talked about, like I had a different chapter. Like, um, you know, we're talking more about barbering and stuff like that right now because that's what I'm mainly known for and that's current. But, like, you know, eventually I want to just, you know, like I, I – like. I'm, I started getting into day trading. I've been day trading for like two years. Uh, you know, I want to create that identity. And after that, I want to go move on to the next and evolve. I kind of just don't want to be known for one thing because one thing shouldn't define yeah. you. You know, like everyone knows you as a bodyguard, but you're, you know, you're a good person who hosts and do interview too, you know? So you want that on your tombstone no too? So it's like, you're more than that. So I feel like, I don't, I don't know if I just want to, you know, if I do want to be known for something, be like father and husband. Yeah. Cause that was going to be my next question was, Brandon Harris as a son, brother, husband is blank. The best person he could be. Just like that. I wish I had a bomb drop something like because that's 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 exactly how we end it. Um thank you for taking the time to hang with me. Um, where can everybody find, uh, you and your barbershop and all the good stuff on, on what's your social media platforms? Um, my personal social media for barbering is hollow the barber on Instagram. The, um, the shop page is the re up shop. Um, and then, um, I just started my, um, trading account or my trading IG. It's a uh, chasey pips FX. Yeah. Cool. And, then, all my and I'll make sure that I put them all down on the, uh, underneath the bio. Um, Thanks for coming. I appreciate it, man. This story, I'm telling you, man, it, it's one of those where like I've I've known about it, but like I was like, man, I there's there's something about you know your story that has these gems. So appreciate you, bro. And of course, uh, thank you everybody for watching, for listening. If you haven't subscribed, subscribe. Um, check out his social media platforms, and of course, thank you to all our sponsors. Big, this is Big Pep, and this is the uh, Pep Talk, and we are out. Peace. Peace.